Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and I gotta, before we even start today, I gotta apologize to Midwestern listeners, because I know it's been like negative, like 40 degree wind chills and stuff where you are. Um, And I'm sure like all you want to think about at this point is thinking about sitting on a tropical beach in like 90 degree weather, just a nice amount of humidity, you know? Uh, just the sun beating down on you at this point. Um, but today's going to be all about Antarctica. (laughs) So, uh, our guest today is Daniel Burton. Um, man, I got to tell you, he shares the entire story of this, but he was the very first person to bike to the South pole in Antarctica by himself, 51 days handling isolation, a constant headwind, which he'll get into. It's a headwind all the way to the South Pole. So bike riders out there, like, you know what kind of hell a headwind can be. Imagine doing that in the cold, in the South Pole, over snow, uh, avoiding crevasses um, for 51 days. For like 10 hours a day at least, every single day. It's crazy, man. Uh, without anyone else there goading you on. Um Dan's a special athlete, man. He's a special guy, special human. Uh, I got to say most people wouldn't be able to handle this. Uh, There's just Antarctica seems like the most inhospitable place on earth. Like no life grows there. There's barely any animals that can sustain it, uh, let alone a human. Um, And so imagining a guy getting dropped off in the middle of nowhere with his bike, with his tent, and just going for it is is something incredible and it's something i'm super honored to be able to share his story today and like i said he'll get into like all of it this is a long episode but i promise you every single second is worth it uh it's incredible and here's the here's the best part about the whole thing um he's in his like in his mind he's an ordinary dude he had he was a computer programmer he had uh high blood pressure started biking became obsessed with biking bike to the south pole that's kind of the journey there i know there's a lot of other stuff in between but that's something any of us could imagine ourselves doing right but and yet here's this guy that actually has the guts and the bravery and the endurance and endurance in so many ways, not just physically, but like mentally, emotionally, the endurance to actually take it on is quite incredible. Um, so I really hope you guys enjoy the show this week. Dan is awesome. Dan, you were great. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, yeah, I kind of want to just get right into it guys. If you are curious about any of our other episodes, check us out. We're on iTunes, uh, basically anywhere you can find podcasts, SoundCloud, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, let's get right into it. Um, this is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 131 with Dan Burton. All about biking to the South Pole. I was thinking about this today when I was preparing to, to chat with you. Um, I started this podcast because I wanted to show, I wanted to show people that they can pretty much chase any of these like crazy insane adventure goals. Um, and I just remember I watched this, uh, documentary about 
the coach for NC State basketball, Jim Volvano. Do you know who that guy is? Uh, I don't. Okay, so I didn't know either. And I'm not even like a huge basketball fan, but this documentary was just like so incredible. I ended with me crying on the couch next to my daughter. <laughs> but he has a <laughs> quote and he has this quote that's like, ordinary, like every day, ordinary people are doing extraordinary things. And when I think about this quote, and I think about your story, I think that is like, you're like the exemplary, like you are the example of that quote. Yeah, I, I think I qualify as just an everyday type of guy. Yeah. <laughs> normal, <laughs> normal guy. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And well, I guess thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really grateful to be able to hear your story. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So what was it about five and a half years ago? You took on this crazy adventure and uh you basically rode a bike to the south pole right right yep it was yeah just over five years ago that's awesome do you want to like can you just give us some some background here like put us in your shoes when you were making that decision so um i th there there's a long story that goes with it but basically um i, I had a bike shop and and I was, uh, and people started getting into uh, fat bikes and it was, it was a new thing. And when I looked at it, I decided, well, let's try it and get a couple fat bikes and see, uh, see how that goes. And when I did that, then I learned about this guy named Eric Larson and he, he, um, was in the process of trying to bike to the South pole and he made it about a quarter of the way before he decided he had to turn around and, and go back. But his expedition proved that it was possible to do it. And so that was really my inspiration for doing that. So, so uh, I kind of, you know, I, I followed his expedition and that was like in, in December of 2013. And I think about uh, February of 2013, no, that would have been 2012. So 2000, February of 2013 is uh, when uh, I had decided that, yeah, I'm going to go and try, try to do this. Yeah. What, what made you think, like, no one's ever done this before. This guy wasn't able to accomplish it. What made you think, like, you know what? I think I can do this. <laughs> that's kind of a kind of a strange thing because because like like we said before i'm just an ordinary guy and and uh hadn't ever done anything even remotely uh close to doing something like this and so but i i am i do uh you know i was an outdoors kind of per person i did a lot of hiking and and stuff and so i i know my ability to go out and survive and stuff and i have the ability to keep going when when uh i think a lot of people might turn around and i don't know i don't know what made made me think yeah even though somebody else failed to do this for some reason i should be able to accomplish it it, it was just it was just something that seemed like such an awesome opportunity to go do something that nobody had done before and and it was almost like somebody had given me this opportunity and it would be stupid to turn it down yeah yeah, it's like the time is right. Like the time is now for me to try this. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the thing was is so Eric tried it and and he was he was making good progress and to me it looked like he was should be successful, be, be able to be successful, but he turned around. Um and as I researched it it looked looked like, you know, it was a a possible thing to do, 
And so, um, yeah, it, it just, it was just one of those things. It's like, okay, this, this is doable. And, and, uh, and if I'm going to do it, you know, I had to do it right then because, because, uh, you know, with him having done it and kind of proved that it was going to be doable, somebody was sure to do it. Yeah. And so, so for me, it was like, well, here's an opportunity I can go do this. And, and, but if I want to do it, I've got to do it this year because, if I don't, somebody else will. Gotcha. What what ultimately like got in his way? What made him turn around? Um, there, I think a lot of it was family issues. Okay. So so he uh, um, he had a new new kid, and there's financial issues. There, there's a, a weird way the finances of the whole thing work. That if you if you uh, um, he was planning on doing a, a trip to the pole and back to the start. And and that's cheaper than just going to the pole because you don't have to get flown back, but you have to pay as if you're going to be picked up at the South Pole and flown back, and then you get refunded the money if you don't actually get picked up at the pole. No way, really? (laughs) Yeah. So they're basically like, hey, you know, you can do this, and if you make it, you're going to save all this money, but if we have to come pick you up anyways, it's going to cost you. Yeah, yeah, it costs you more if you have to get picked up, and so, and so he, um, you know, financially it would have been it, it's better to get back to the start than it yeah. is to get to the South Pole and have to be picked up. And so my guess is is that he could have made it to the South Pole, but he would not have made it back. Okay, wow. In in time to in you know in the time available, gotcha. and so and so he. You know the finances was was weighing on his mind and and uh, a lot of things. I, I mean, you know, it, it, I think only he could really answer what made him turn around. But but as I looked at it, it's like you know, it, it's kind of confusing a little bit to why did he turn around? And it seemed possible. And there's a company that basically, if you're going to do an expedition in in Antarctica, there's one company you go through to do it. It's Antarctic Logistics and Expeditions. And I talked to them, and I talked to them a lot about what. Why, why he was able to be successful and, or, you know, why he wasn't successful, why he turned around and whatever, and whether or not they thought it was even possible. And, and this assessment I got from them and, and everything that it, that it did look like he could have made it, but he wouldn't have been able to make it to the pole and back. So I don't know. I, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff you need to really have to ask him why he didn't succeed. Um, yeah. without trying to, with, hopefully without offending him, I think, Part of the thing was he had a lot of doubts going into it. So as, as I read read his blog um, going in into his expedition, I was seeing a lot of things where he was saying, "Oh, you know, this everybody's doubting whether this is possible, and and I don't know if I'll make it." And so to to me, I saw a lot of things that that he was um, questioning the the logic and, and the ability the whole time. And so I think that played into it. And so when I started, when I decided to do it, I, I just said I was going to have an attitude that I'm going to do it and I'm not going to try to do it, but I'm going to, you know, and I, and I intentionally um, made a, you know, a very conscious effort not to talk about failure, you know, yeah. and, and keep it in a positive upright. I mean, obviously I might, might not be successful, but I had to have a, an attitude that I'm going to keep going and I'm going to make this and I have to have a positive attitude towards success. Otherwise 
if you start out with it with the too much fear of failure you probably will fail yeah it's the idea of like those creeping doubts those those thoughts get in your mind and then you just can't shake them yeah yeah and if you know you're out there in antarctica all by yourself for a long time if you and, and so i mean there's easily times that i could have easily said okay this is it and i'm done and i think the fact that i had um spent so much time consciously making that decision that i am not going to turn around if you know it, it's hard being out there all by yourself doing that for for that long and and keeping that uh, persistence so yeah so i think you know i i don't know it, it, it's a tough thing to say <laughs> why somebody else fails totally <laughs> totally well and, and but it makes perfect sense i mean you don't have someone else out there with you basically kind of putting it into perspective being like hey maybe you're just having a bad day you know but you got this you're looking strong like no one's out there telling you that stuff and so if if you can't supply that it's going to be really difficult to to push on yeah and and you know one of the things like uh a lot of times when i was doing when i was doing my expedition and i think a lot of other people are doing this they're they're taken and they're posting up to a blog or or nowadays they're doing it to instagram or whatever and so they're they're making these posts out out to the internet and like i would i would post stuff up on my blog and people would reply back and make comments on it i never saw their yeah. comments back. Yeah. it was a it was a one-way deal for me because i'm you know i've got a satellite phone and i'm yeah. using that to to upload my data to the thing and i can't afford to then download what everybody's saying and chat back and forth. That that wasn't a thing. And so yeah, you don't get the feedback from anybody saying, Good job, you're doing good, you know, way to go. And and those things were in there in comments in in my on my blog, but I never saw them until I got back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so so yeah, you really are on your own out there, at least I was, as far as as far as that stuff is concerned. You it's it's you know, you're there on your own and and you have to come up with it yourself because there's nobody there to say good job (laughs) yeah that makes sense man well so you come up with this idea and you do you start telling people back home and what are their reactions are they kind of like how like how dare this guy have the audacity to even think this yeah it, it it uh was yeah i mean i don't know to start with i think um, some people were thought it was a, a good idea, but uh, most mostly they didn't. You know, people. I talked about it a lot on the internet, and because I was trying to get people, I didn't have the money to do it, and so I was trying to get uh, um, some kind of sponsorship or you know some kind of ability to uh, pay for this. And so I was talking about it on the internet, trying to get sponsors, and and so I had a lot of people that had a lot of experience with different things that were. Tell me what a stupid, you know, idea this was because I didn't have the experience and the ability to do this, and and it's like, yeah, you know, it's it's an easy judgment to make when you don't know me. All you know is my posts on internet, and so I had a little bit of that. Um, I had, you know, so I, I think uh, a lot of people that uh, knew me figured I would probably end up killing myself doing it because they, you know, it's like (laughs) know that I would be uh, um, persistent enough to keep going. And so I, I think there are a lot of stubborn, he's stubborn enough to just keep pushing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think there are a lot of people that uh, thought they were going to, that I was going to kill myself doing it. The thing is, is, is it's not, 
it, it is there, there is a certain amount of danger to it, but it's not as dangerous as a lot of people think it is. Um, there's definitely dangers. There's crevasses. You're alone. Um, you know, in the cold and and all of that. There haven't been a lot of people that have died doing things like this. Whereas, like if you're saying like climbing to the top of Everest, there are a lot of people that die yeah. um, climbing Everest. Um, and and so it's you know, and I had a, I had a company that was uh, uh, monitoring me and keeping track of my where I was and and could fly in and get me. So I, I had um, things in place to to deal with stuff, but uh, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that, that makes sense to me. I mean, the thing is, I'm kind of, like I'm an Antarctic nerd. Like I love reading all about all sorts of expeditions and stuff. So you know, if you if you've done the research, you understand that I think. But most people hear Antarctica and you're just like, oh my god! Like, I mean, and I, I it still seems like there's a lot of risks there, even with all these kind of fail safes in place. Like, it's still a risky endeavor. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times, I mean, I'm out in the middle of Antarctica, and and like at one point, I almost choked to death, and you know, I I I I got the hiccups while I was eating eating my uh, dinner, and I kept eating, and and I got a piece of food lodged in my in my throat, and every time I choke it out, I'd get hiccup again, and I'd get relodged in there, and I was oh, about geez. to choke to death. There's nobody to help you, yeah. you know. You got to work through that yourself, or like. Um, you know, there were times when I was um, biking in a whiteout, so you can't see anything, and and uh, drop off what they call sestrugi. It's kind of a, a snowdrift thing, and so I drop off this sestrugi and, and drop like you know four four to six feet off off of this thing, and and in when you can see, you can maneuver it and 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 drop off those because they're not like they're they're, they're doable. They're they're drops that you can do on a bike, but in the whiteout you can't couldn't see that and so there were times i'd fall off one of those because you couldn't see them coming and i'd fall off and drop off and smash and crash and you know laying there with the bike on top of you and you think man you know i i gotta be careful and not because if i break a bone or break my bike here I, i'm in pretty bad shape you know yeah. mostly i'm thinking i that that's ends your expedition but the the reality too is if something happens and and you are in a, an emergency situation they can fly out and pick you up, and if it's if it's uh, good weather and you're um, you know in a in a place where they can land somewhere close to you, then then it's you know maybe a, um, a half a day or so before they get to you. Uh, but if you're you know if it's a whiteout condition, they can't land in a whiteout condition because they can't see the ground to land, and so. In a whiteout condition, they have to wait for that to go away before they can come get you, which at times can be, you know, three or more days. Yeah. There were times, I, I know there were times that there were three days straight whiteout where you couldn't see anything for, for a whole three days. And so that would mean during that time frame, nobody's going to come and get you. And so, so you do have uh, a certain amount of alone and, and stuff. So you do have to, you know, you have to be smart and 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 take care of yourself. In fact, that was one of the things that um, ALE was um, telling me as I was preparing for this. There's two things you got to do to to be successful to make it. The one is you got to take care of yourself. You know, you got to make sure you're taking care of yourself, not getting frostbite, whatever. Um, making sure you're safe. And the other is you got to keep moving south. Yeah. And if you don't do those two things, then then you will be able to be successful. 
Yeah. Did you, before you went down there, did you do any training on kind of like wilderness survival kind of deals? I, I didn't do any specific training for that. But like I said, I, I grew up um, hiking in, in uh, wilderness areas. Okay. And so, you know, I, I can survive um, in, you know, I can, I can take care of myself. Of course, you know, in Antarctica, survival is is a, maybe a different thing because you know you're not going to go out and find something to eat yeah, <laughs> yeah. nothing there so it's, it's all about um you know maintaining um keeping yourself warm you know not not freezing yourself to death and and yeah that's probably the biggest survival thing is just you know protecting yourself from the from the elements yeah what about the people like closest to you what were their thoughts going into this well so like my wife um, she thought it was a pretty stupid idea <laughs> and, and not for the reason you would think though. The, the, the problem was, is I, I, I had been a computer programmer and I'd done that for 20, 23 years. I can't even remember now. I'd, I'd been a programmer for quite some time and I, I decided to, uh, open up a bike shop and, and after I opened up my box bike shop, I, I, uh, um, I basically spent all my savings and then some on the bike shop. So, so I'd gone from being completely out of debt to now having um, a, a mortgage on my house and 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 debt from the bike store. Yeah. And so, and I on I'd gone uh, six years with no income. So I had no actually negative income. So I'd had negative income for six years, and and I had no money. And and in order to do the expedition, I borrowed eighty thousand dollars from the bank, and so, so so you know financially, it seemed like a pretty stupid thing to do. <laughs> yeah, what's that conversation like with the bank? Where you're like, hey, yeah. can I borrow yeah, this fun. for this reason? Because <laughs> they're like, why do you want eighty thousand dollars? Like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was it was kind of interesting because you know you go to the bank and you say. I want to borrow eighty thousand dollars, and the, and of course the first thing is like you do when you want to borrow money is like, well, how what's your what's your income? And it's like, well, I have no income. <laughs> and this is this is like um, shortly after the whole housing crisis, you know. And so I'm I'm actually borrowing against my house. It's a it's a second mortgage on my house that I'm I'm doing this with, right? Okay. And and it's like the the equity of my house was fine you know if if i failed on the on the loan they could easily have uh, repossessed my house and sold oh, my house and and come out ahead and so so it wasn't financially risky to them but because the housing market had just crashed and everything the they had put in a whole bunch of rules to make it so that banks can't uh, give out loans to people that can't afford to pay them back and then steal their houses because there's there's a lot of you know a lot of banks giving out loans that they knew that people couldn't afford. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and then you'd repossess the house and whatever. So so it's predatory loans, and so there's a lot of laws against predatory loans, and so so I had to uh, I had to go and prove to them that yeah I have I actually had a, another house that we had kind of bought on you know how you buy a house fix it up and then and then sell it. Yeah, yeah. And we bought this house with the intention of fixing it up and selling it and. And then the market crashed, and so I had a second house. And it's like, look, if if I can't make this loan payment, I can sell this other house for the loan payment, you know, for the amount of the loan, and and uh, you know, because the house was worth more more was like a two hundred thousand dollar house, and yeah, and 
and and I you know my loan that I took was eighty thousand for the expedition. So it's like I could sell this house and pay it off. You're gotcha. not gonna you're not gonna lose I'm not gonna lose my house over it. And so yeah. once I proved, proved that I did have the ability to uh, pay it off, they they took it. But it was kind of a weird thing to say. Okay, I have no income. Actually, I have negative income, and I want to borrow money <laughs> to go to Antarctica. <laughs> to go to Antarctica. That, yeah, the other one that's the yeah. other conversation that's strange is because I didn't have any life insurance at that time, and my wife's like. Yeah, if you're doing this, you have to have life insurance. Yeah. Imagine that. You know, because obviously, you know, if something happens, she needs to be able to pay off the loan I just took out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so so you go to the insur- life insurance company and say, yeah, I, I need uh, to get life insurance. And, and the first question, well, one of the questions they ask is like, are you going to leave the country in the next six months? Well, about like, that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, what country are you going to? It's like, well, it's not a country. <laughs> <laughs> and like, uh, so where are you going? It's like, well, Antarctica. And it's like, okay, d- denied. <laughs> <laughs> That's so I basically crazy, had man. To, I had to go and, and find an insurance that was like, okay, um, give us money and we won't ask you any questions. <laughs> wow, dude, that's so crazy. So, wow, okay. So you get everything together. I'm sure it's a logistical, just insane. I'm Actually, I talked to someone on here before uh, who did, went to Antarctica last year. And I talked to him right before he left. His name was Scott Sears. I don't know if you've... He kind of yeah, did I don't a... remember that one. Yeah, he did a... He was like the youngest unsupported to the South Pole or something. But he was awesome. But I remember talking to him and him telling me like, because I, I think we spoke maybe like two weeks before his expedition was going to start. And he was like, I feel like I've done the hardest part, which is contacting sponsors, trying to raise money. Like for two years, you're so focused on that part that he's kind of like, I'm just ready to get started on the South Pole. You know, um, did you kind of have that same experience? Yeah, yeah, it's um, it was really hard, and and obviously I failed at the sponsorship part. <laughs> it, it it's really hard, and especially you know where I didn't have anything to say. Look, here's why I can be successful. So you go and you talk to a sponsor and say, Hey, this is what I'm going to do, and and they don't want to sponsor somebody that's going to go off and kill themselves. Yeah, yeah, and so and so you know I didn't have any. A background to say, look, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and so, so I'm, you know, I'm qualified to do this, and so, yeah, it, it, it's really hard to get the sponsorships, but once I, once I got the money, and and I said, okay, now I have this money, and I, I'm for sure going to do this, and then instead of asking sponsors for money, I started saying, okay, I'm going to do this, um, and I need you know, I need this or I need that. And, and, you know, like I need pedals for my bike. Oh yeah, no problem. They ship me off pedals or, or I could talk to Shimano and say, you know, I want, I'm building up my bike and, and I want to, I like Shimano and Shimano is my favorite components. And so, yeah, yeah. And they provided Shimano provided stuff. And, and I could talk to companies and, and a lot of companies helped me out with uh, equipment, but but, uh, and, and so getting equipment once you've got the real thing paid for, that wasn't so hard, but getting sponsors to actually pay for something, I don't know how you do that because yeah. because I I completely failed at getting that to happen. That was kind of his response too. He's like, you think this would be easy because you're, you know, you're like, hey, I'm going to the South Pole. I'm going to be the first guy to bike there. Um, it's It sounds so incredible that you think people would be on board, but you're 100% right. Like they have all their kind of, 
ideas about how your expedition's gonna go and you know they might not be able to like take that risk i guess yeah there there was a lady um and i think she's still working on trying to do an expedition she she was planning on going the same year that i did uh, riding a fat bike to the south pole and uh she's been working i mean so that was you know five years ago and she's she's still working and trying to get wow. sponsors to pay for her expedition and, and her expedition is kind of the way she wants to do it is a lot more expensive so she's got to get more money than what i was trying to get but still yeah it's still still hard actually maybe not to, to start with my my expedition plans were a more expensive way of doing it too but uh <laughs> i could i could only afford uh the the bare minimum plan and so so i did it what uh is it, it turned out good because it made it a, a much uh more cool expedition yeah <laughs> but my original plan was i had another guy that wanted to go with me and and we were going to have a snowmobile go along with us carrying our gear oh, okay and we were going to and and uh, and that was the original but but you know i didn't have the money to do that and so yeah. that's kind of cool that i could i didn't because instead of being you know, it made it made it more of a real expedition. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. What so? What does it feel like where you're flying into Antarctica and you see the the ice shelf and the continent for the very first time? Yeah, it was. It's kind of it's cool. Um, the problem, the the weird thing is, is that um, flying to Antarctica for doing stuff like this, um, you're flying in a, a Russian military car, jet. And so it's it's kind of a cargo military. And so, I mean, if you imagine what a, a Soviet-era jet would look like on the inside, that's probably about right. <laughs> <laughs> so so no windows. <laughs> oh, so you can't see outside anyways. Couldn't, couldn't see out anything. But they did have a camera in the in the nose of the plane. And so as they're coming into uh, Antarctica, they flipped on the flipped on the camera onto a big screen and so you could see see the ice and stuff coming in and and that was pretty cool and i mean it gets exciting because because there are you know there's a fair number of people on this plane that were flying in with when i flew in and uh and be able to see that is cool so but but it would have been cool to like you say be able to see the continent show up and 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 that and and um, one of the things my dad asked me was like, oh, you need to get some really cool pictures of the icebergs and stuff like that. And it's like, well, I never saw any icebergs because, you know, <laughs> by the time I was able to see anything, I was past I, I was too far south to be able to see icebergs because yeah. I was over the frozen continent. But, yeah, it, what was really amazing, too, was um, flying back. So when I got to the South Pole, they, they picked me up in a little ski plane. And uh, and flew me back. And as I was flying back, um, there was another guy that uh, had skied to the South Pole that got there the day after I did. And and the two of us were were flying back to the base camp. They have at Union Glacier, you know, um, near near where I started. And so we were flying back and he's looking out the window. He's like, oh, check that out and look at look at that. And I'm looking out and it's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. And what I thought I was looking at was you know when you're in a commercial jet and you're flying over and you, you're flying over the clouds and you look down and you just see all those clouds <laughs> yeah i thought i was looking at clouds <laughs> and and then they they fly halfway and they land and refuel and then fly the rest of the way and so as we're coming into this to this airstrip they have where they've got a fuel depot of, to refuel and they're coming in they land and it's like well hold it 
because as we go down the land, it's like you don't go through the clouds. It's like, no, those weren't the clouds at all. That was the ice. <laughs> no and, way. And and so it was the, the amazing thing to me is uh, while I was biking to Antarctica, I mean, you're starting at the at the coast, which is, you know, about sea level. And and I'm going to the South Pole, which is at ninety three hundred feet. And so it's it's a pretty, pretty, you know, ni- ninety three hundred feet of of uh, climbing. But it's not just, you know, a climb. It's, it, and and ninety three hundred feet over, you know, seven hundred and fifty miles isn't that isn't that steep of a climb? But still, it's it's a climb the whole way, right? And so you think it's just this uphill, but it's not. As you're going, as you're going, it's it's up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down and and all day you're just going up and then back down and up and down. And <laughs> yeah. and when I looked down and looked and I thought I saw those puffy clouds, you know, you see all these little this little bumpy thing down there, and it's like, oh. I get it now. That's what I was biking over. It was it was interesting to see that and and the perspective that brought brought because I mean I knew I was going up and down and up and down all this time, but yeah. but to see it from the air was kind of a kind of an interesting thing to say. Oh, that's cool. That, that's what I was biking over. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, that's so crazy. So the very first day you take off and and you just start going, and I have to imagine really quickly you're completely by yourself in probably one of the most isolated places on the planet, if not the most isolated place on the planet. So what was going through your mind, you know, for the very first couple of days? Yeah, the the very first few days were, they were really, really difficult. I think mostly I was going through my mind was uh, how to keep moving. <laughs> but yeah. they, they, uh, um, they flew me in this, it's a, it's a um, twin otter, so a little twin plane and landed on Hercules Inlet. And so I'm actually on the frozen ice shelf is, is where I started. And, and, and from there, the plane takes off. And when the plane takes off, it's like, okay, now I'm alone. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, it's, it's truly alone. And it's like you said, it's like there, so there are other expeditions out there that were, you know, maybe, maybe not thousands of miles away, but for all intents and purposes, it's like I'm out in the middle and there's nobody around for a thousand miles. You look, you look to the North and, and it's just this frozen ocean as far as you can see. And out there far enough is, is uh, chilly somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> it looks South and there's this big climb uh, up in, into, into Antarctica and, uh, and the mountains in there. And so when I started, um, it, um, it was just really soft snow to start with. Well, relatively soft snow. It's not like it, it's Antarctica snow. It's, it's never quite. It's not like powdery snow like you'd get in Utah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it barely snows down there, right? Yeah, it doesn't snow a lot. Um, and 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 I don't know. It, it's really hard to say what I don't know what's normal and what's not because I was only there one year. But it seemed to me that it snowed more while I was there than what I expected Antarctica would get in a year. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, so so it's soft enough snow that you know, like if if you're pushing, because I that first few days I mostly had to push the bike. I did get to ride a little bit, but mostly it was pushing the bike. And so as I'm walking, my feet are sinking into the snow, you know, a, a foot to two feet deep in the snow, and and uh, and. And so, so those first few days, I'm, I'm, you know, in about that soft of snow, yeah. I'm going up, up a pretty good hill. And, and the other thing is that happens is Antarctica. Antarctica is the windiest continent in the world. 
and <clears throat> what happens is is that cold air obviously everybody knows cold air is heavier than warm air and so it's going to fall and 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 obviously it's really cold at the south pole and so that cold air at the south pole at 9300 feet elevation is cold and it falls towards the coast oh man at lower and so that means there's this constant headwind or oh, it's man. almost always a constant headwind and so yeah. so battling this these strong headwinds I'm going uphill in the soft snow. You know, it's something about going to school by grandma or something in this story. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what this is. Going uphill yeah, both ways into the wind. Yeah, and, and, and so, I mean, it was just, so I think my first few days was just pushing and trying to think, oh, man. And, and, I'm, and I'm, as I'm doing this, I'm only getting, well, and the other thing I'm doing is, is nobody's ever done this before. And so I'm trying to figure out what the best way to do it is. And so, so I, I've got sleds. Um, Eric did it with just panniers, bags on his on his bike. I'm doing it by pulling sleds. And and I, I had two sleds and I had panniers. And so part of what I'm doing those first few days is I'm I'm rearranging my load, trying it this way and trying it that way, and trying to see what works the best. And so there's a lot of uh, the first couple of weeks just experimenting and learning and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, like but, the trial uh, and error kind of deal because you're right. Like if, if this is something no one's done before, I mean, you don't really even have much to go on as to what to even like attempt right. to and, do. And ideally, ideally, I would have taken and said, okay, I'm going to take all my gear and I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this out in the in the mountains during the winter, and I'm yeah. going to try this. You know, I'm going to do an expedition in Alaska or something and get some experience and try to figure it out. But but my problem was is Eric had tried it the year before, and so when I decided to do it, it was February. Oh yeah, and so there's not much of winter left when I did it. I didn't even have a a bike worthy of doing it at the point. You know, and so I didn't. And I'm running a bike shop, and I'm working in my bike shop. You know, at least 13 hours a day trying to just trying to keep my head above water at the bike shop. And so I didn't have time to train and do the things and figure out what would really work, which a lot of people would say, well, you're stupid to go do that without knowing this. But, but it was just the, it was just the situation I was in. If I was going to do it, I had to do it when I did it because if I didn't, somebody else would do it. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and so I had to, I had to do a lot of, on on the job training you know i i had to figure it out while i was while i was out there and so so those first few days was a lot of trying to figure out what will work and and learning learning a lot of different things that way and then and then the other thing that uh, was towards the end of those first few days is i was getting i think on average less than five miles a day oh man that has to and, be tough for like on the mindset kind of deal. Like the, when we were talking about maintaining a positive mindset, getting right. five miles a day has to be pretty, especially at the yeah. beginning of the journey where the end is just so, so, so far away. And then you're like, right. oh man, I only went five miles. Right. But the thing is, is I knew that, you know, I started at the coast and I had to climb up, up these, this first area and up into, uh, into the interior of Antarctica. So I had a pretty good climb to start with. And then once I get up in there, they, they take and they, that, that place I said they were refueling the airplanes, they drag fuel from the base camp at Union Glacier to that refueling spot. 
And so my thinking is if I can just get up to where I can hit that path that they're using to drag the fuel to to uh, re- refuel the planks, then I can jump on that path yeah. and I can follow that path and that'll give me a, a better surface to ride on. Not only that, it's not as steep of a hill there and, and different things. And, and so I, I kept having this think, thinking that, you know, eventually it's going to get better. But then when I did get, I finally did get and I found that path. And, and even after I found the path, I wasn't getting, you know, I, you know, five to seven miles a day. Yeah. And it's like, hey. And, and so so I called up my wife because I had a satellite phone. I called up my wife, you know, every day. And, and when I called her one day and it's like, you know, I'm, it's obvious I'm not going to make it. You know, I, I am not getting the mileage and, and it's just I, I'm just not going to make it. And so so I told my wife, well. You know, I, I want to see how far south I can get before before time runs out. But I'm, you know, it's obvious I'm not going to make it to the South Pole. And then the very next day, I, it's in my journal that I cook and and the stuff when I called and talked to my wife and and said I wasn't going to make it. The very next day, I got out and and the sun had had uh, um, been out and there wasn't any wind and it and it iced up the snow. Okay. And so the very next day got 15 miles <laughs> so so the day that i said okay i'm not going to make it but i'm going to keep going because and that's where that uh attitude of i'm going to keep going no matter what saved me right because yeah. i could have said well i'm not going to make it let's quit yeah you know what's the point? but but i had already decided i was going to keep going and so that very next day after i decided i had already failed i started getting the mileage that i needed and it was still extremely difficult to get the, that 15 miles because what, what would happen, I was following in that, tra- that track, and the, and so it leaves a little bit of a depression, and the snow blows, and it snow fills in that depression, and so it's soft in the depression. But if you go outside of where that track is, it's soft out there too. And so, so it's hard to find a spot that you can actually bike. But, it, but there would be these sections of, of uh, you know, like 10, 20 feet where the ice was hard enough and stuff that I could bike. And I could get get going, and then and then you'd hit a snowdrift that had drifted in and filled in that that depression, and and I could you know I'd hit that drift and I'd get uh, back on my bike, you know, kind of load up, unload the weight on the the front wheel, which helped it go better, and just give it everything I could. And occasionally I could actually make it all the way through one of those snowdrifts. I'd never been able to make it through two in a row <laughs> <laughs> because by the time I got through that. My heart would be racing so hard. I mean, I, I'm sure whatever my max heart rate is, I hit it on a, you know, I'd, I'd hit one of those uh, um, drifts, max heart rate out, and and if I failed to get through the drift, which was more often than not, then then you stop and and you gotta you gotta wait for your heart to come back to a reasonable rate before you can start going again. Wow. And I was doing that over and over and over and, you know, and, and getting and, and got to where I could get 15 miles a, a day doing that, which was awesome because, and, and, and it's 15 nautical miles, which isn't a big deal miles versus nautical miles, but it, but it's what, what it was for me is uh, a, a nautical mile is one arc minute and 60 arc minutes is a degree. And so I started at 80 degrees south, and, I, and the South Pole is 90 degrees south. And so there are 10, 10 uh, degrees to get to where I was headed to. So, so 15 minute or 15 nautical miles is basically 15 minutes 
south. Yeah. And so four of those, four of those days is one degree. And so, so you put that together and 40 days is 10, 10 degrees at 15, 15 miles a day. Yeah. And so I, I start doing that and it's like, oh, cool, I'm, I'm going to make it. And then, and then as I kept going, the conditions, the snow kept getting harder and harder. And so I kept working just as hard every day, but instead of getting 15 miles, I was getting 24, oh, you know, awesome. my goal, I kept thinking I was going to get more than 30. I never got more than 30 miles. I never reached 30 miles a day, but that was my goal was always, I was going to break 30 miles and I was going to do 60 miles in a day or a hundred miles in a day. That's all garbage. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I could never get 30, but there were, there were a lot of times, you know, the cool thing was, is the sun never sets. It just goes in a big circle around. And so it's, you know, um, 24 hour daylight. And so I could bike any time of day and night. It didn't matter. And so, so, you know, so there were a lot of times it's like, okay, I'm going to start at uh, three o'clock or two o'clock in the morning. And I go, I had a call in time. I can't remember like eight 40 or something in the evening where, when I would call in and tell, tell ALE where I was and, and how far I'd gone and everything. So, so they could keep track of me and, and, and all that. And so I had to finish, you know, I basically, I had to quit uh, biking about eight o'clock in the evening every day. And so, so I, you know, I, I'd, I'd do that and, and, uh, and sometimes bike, bike throughout the whole night and, and the, and the next day. So I, I could put in lots of hours doing that. Of course, you do that day after day after day, eventually, um, you, you crash. <laughs> and yeah. so I bonked pretty bad, um, <laughs> bonked pretty bad one, one day. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's, I, I guess the thing is, is it's just really impossible to explain how amazingly difficult this was. Well, I can't I mean, imagine. I knew going in. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about all the factors involved. And even, I mean, they're all hard to deal with. That's the crazy thing. Like the 24-hour daylight, that's its own issue probably. Isolation, uh, yeah, the cold, the wind. Yeah, it was going to be a wind. problem for me, but it was. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, what, I didn't think 20, the 24-hour... 24 hours like how oh, how do you handle that like because i'm just thinking like the the human body is not meant to maintain like or to sustain like anything that goes on in antarctica yeah that's that's definitely true yeah um i think the 24 hours of daylight was really going to bother me because i just i think i have a sleep disorder i can fall asleep pretty much anytime anywhere <laughs> it's not so, a disorder so in antarctica though you're like this is a positive well i thought i thought you know it wasn't going to be a problem for me but when i got down there and i think the thing i mean anybody that's done a lot of really hard you know something all day an all day uh, bike trip or whatever it is that you're pushing yourself that hard all day long you know it takes it's hard to get back to sleep after that you know it takes a while to to uh wind down from that so so after that so i think all that being overworked um makes it hard to sleep and and the sunlight um caused me more problem than i expected i think a lot of it was i i wake up frequently through the night while i'm sleeping and you wake up and it's light and so you look and it's like oh it's 11 o'clock and a while later you look oh it's 12 o'clock Oh, it's one o'clock. And so you have to, it's like, is it time to get up yet? Oh, nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so it was, it was, uh, something I didn't expect to be a problem for me, but the 24 hours daylight was 
um, hard for me on the sleep. It, it made sleeping a, a lot more difficult than I expected it to be. Yeah, because you wake up and your first reaction is, oh, it's light out, time to get going. But you have to get used to like, oh, it's always going to be light out. Yeah, and so so every time you wake up, you have to check your clock, your watch to see what time it is to see, did I get enough rest or not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the answer Man. is no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, the never. The answer is just never enough rest. Um, how did you handle the isolation? I, I thought that was going to be um, a hard thing because, uh, you know, I read a lot of other expeditions and, and they talk about being alone, being, you know, that, 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 uh, isolation being one of the hardest things of the expedition and i didn't find that to be i I don't know maybe i'm just weird um but the isolation wasn't really a problem for me i mean i I got where i missed my family was um very you know looking forward to going back and being with my family but being alone wasn't as uh it was actually i i really enjoyed it it was a time to reflect to uh you know get closer to God, to me, it was it was a a, a great thing. I, I enjoyed the isolation. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about the like? Just the. It's weird to even say this because you're doing this amazing epic adventure. But what about the boredom? Because I mean, it's day after day after day. Yeah, you know when when I uh, I was before I did this, I was thinking about doing a an Ironman. And one of the things to get ready to do an Ironman was to get my running up to that. And and at first I had a really hard time with uh, running because it was like this is so boring, you know. Yeah. So 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 and and I think part of that was because I wasn't um, my joints and stuff just weren't able to really push myself in the running. But then once I got better at, at running and I could really push myself, then my mind's totally occupied with trying to keep myself going and everything. And so I don't, I didn't have a a problem with boredom because I mean, I had stuff I was always working for and I'm always, I'm always looking at, okay, where am I now? You know, so I'm, I'm looking at the, the GPS to see my, my coordinates and see, see where I am and, and my compass to make sure I'm headed in the right direction and, and all the stuff and, and just moving forward. I, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't bored because because it was so hard and so much work that there was no time to be bored. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then I guess just the other the other things are like the cold, the wind, the possible like fear creeping in. Because um, I think, and you got to tell me if I'm wrong here, but maybe for me, I'm just, if I'm imagining myself in that situation by myself where it is potentially dangerous, there is that whole like kind of being on edge the whole time and where there is a fear out there and how do you let it not creep into your mindset? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, for some reason I felt, I thought I wasn't never really scared a lot of, I didn't, I didn't don't think I had a lot of fear. Um, the, the strange thing about that is, you know, the, one of the real dangerous things is the crevasses Yeah, and, and uh, I can't remember, like, the first, second. It must have been at least the second. The second or third day or somewhere along there, I stepped I stepped into a crevasse. And I'm guessing it wasn't a very big one. Um, just one leg fell in, and I, and 
and I was able to use my bike and pull myself up out and pass it and uh, and look back and and kind of wanted to get and see how how big how deep it was but I didn't dare get close enough to find out <laughs> yeah, yeah but and so so at that and the, but and but the one that the thing that's really weird about it was uh, um, when we were planning the route to go there there was a place that's about uh, three quarters of the way to the South Pole where there's uh, I guess there's must be a mountain range that's buried under the ice. And so as the ice is moving over that mountain range, it uh, opens up crevasses. And so you can't see it. You can't see it. It's, you know, it's all buried under the ice. And as you're going over that, there's, there's an area that's got a lot of crevasses. And so they know this by the fact that uh, um, they've dropped vehicles in it before. Oh, and, and, they, and they've, you know, they've got um, ground penetrating radar and, and all this, all this stuff that shows it. And so they've got a route that, that they've been using for years that that is a considered safe relatively safe for for skiing and you, so you go south to a certain point and at that point you head a little bit uh, southwest and then after another point you turn back uh, um, southeast and get back on route okay. and so there's this crevasse field that that i'm supposed to avoid and i think looking at the ground pen penetrating radar it's like if you go too far west there was more crevasses over there that you wouldn't want to get into but that was kind of an unknown thing because nobody had ever been over there and <laughs> and so so it's like i need to head this southwest and then turn and come back and as i get there my last cache was supposed to be in that area and 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 so i call in and they give me the coordinates for the cache and i write it down and then i start going and and i and i getting close and it's like oh hold it if I put that into my GPS, that's exactly in where all these crevasses are that I'm not supposed to go there. And, and so I call them up and the first time when I called them, they, they gave me the coordinates and they said, and when you get there and the phone line dropped out, oh, man. which how most of my phone conversations ended <laughs> with yeah. the phone line. Dropped. And so, so the, I called them back up and said, um, can you give me those coordinates again? And they gave them to me and it's like, yeah, that's where they said before. And they said, and when you get there, there are some big crevasses, so go back the the way you came. Do not head south from there because there are big crevasses just south of there, and and uh, and so the as I was getting to that, um, one of the songs on my playlist was uh, the Rihanna song um, "Russian Roulette." Oh no, and, man! <laughs> and and I I mean. It's hard. Maybe nobody will quite understand it the way it was for me. But that song to me was a perfect. I mean, you could have written that song exactly for my expedition, and it fit perfectly. Yeah, and it's so like I'm, it's one of those moments where you're like, did they write this for me right now? Yeah, and because because she talks about okay, I've got this test I have to pass, and there's no turning back. There, there's no way out. And 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 um. And then she says, she says, um, she wonders if she'll see another sunrise. Oh, jeez. And and I hadn't seen a sunrise in almost two months. Oh yeah, good point. I didn't even think about and, that. <laughs> and and it's like, you know, here I'm going, and and if I I'm going into this dangerous area that I'm not supposed to go, and and to get my food, and I and you have to go and get it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and and so so there's no choice, and 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 it's what I had to do, and and uh, and so even though I say 
I, I didn't feel like I was scared while I was doing this. To this day, if I if I uh, listen to that song, I break down in tears. Yeah, because because it's so emotional to me. Because I was, you know, at that point saying, "Okay, this is it. I, this this may be the end. I, I'm I'm pulling the trigger, and and will I survive?" Wow. And and so so I I didn't feel like I was scared, but the fact that that song affects me so much tells me I was maybe a little bit more scared than I think. Well, I wonder if in the moment, since there is no other option, you have no choice but to be like really stoic where you're like, hey, I can't, I'm going to control what I can control here, but I can't let emotion come in because if I let emotion come in, it might cause me to accidentally do something that's even more dangerous. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I I just think I had that calm reassurance that everything was going to be okay. Okay, that makes sense. and my wife, my wife says the same thing. She's like, she, she just knew that it was going to be okay. And, and so, so, you know, I had that, that thing, but, but, you know, even though you have that calm reassurance, the reality is, is there is a possibility yeah. <laughs> that I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, so did you, did you see any crevasses when you, when you found your cash? Um, so I saw a lot of little ones. Okay. And and so the the ones that aren't dangerous um are a lot of times pretty easy to see. The 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 dangerous ones you don't see. Why is that? Because what happens so what what what's happening is that's going up to where the crevasse was. It was very ice. It was it was a really hard ice icy area, which tends to be the the slopes that were north facing. Okay. would get icier than the ones that are south facing because they get more direct sun. And so and so the, that that uh, north facing slope um was was pretty icy and so the cracks the crevasses were show up. You can see them. And 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 they al- almost looks like, you know, those old uh, cartoons where you got the the bugs bunny running under the ground and and the 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 lump of, of ground going along you can see the trail <laughs> okay lumped up uh, in where, where, where the crevasse was that and at first sense. i didn't know for sure what they were but uh there was there was another guy that was skiing skiing to the south pole and and uh he had poked his ski into one of those as he skied over it and and uh, and i looked down that and yep sure enough it was a crevasse that went down wow. so there are a lot of those small ones like that that i could see but the the big crevasses a big dangerous one. What happens is you got the crevasse and you got the snow blowing, and the snow blows over and it builds a bridge over the top of it. Yeah. And and the and it's it's a gradual enough of a up and down and stuff that it doesn't look like anything. And so so it's hollow underneath, but you can't tell that that it's even. I mean, it's hard to see a lot of terrain a lot of times anyway, just because everything's white and it's hard to see things. But so so those big dangerous crevasses are just invisible you don't see them until you get on top of them and they collapse out from under you wow or you ride over them and you don't even realize you just played russian roulette right yeah yeah and and there was one place that uh i'm not sure if it was a crevasse or just a really deep uh um sistrugi thing where where what happens is that the wind is blowing so hard and it carves out these it carves out the snow in, in these weird shapes and stuff. And and there was this one that uh, it, it was just this uh, thing that had carved down and it went down as deep as I could see. 
and and just goes off into a blue and and uh and and i didn't really see it until i I got over this and and i looked back and it's like oh man i just i I could see when i got onto the other side and looking back that i had just crossed over the snow bridge over the top of that thing and even if i don't know if it was a crevasse or if it was just the way the snow was formed there because there were some really um deep tall um there and so i didn't know which which it was but it it went down far enough and was deep enough it would have been extremely difficult to get out wow and and uh and yeah so you go get across to the other side it's like oh man what did i just (laughs) wow that's that's so crazy man so you ended up getting it and you were okay um yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) and you get back on the route and i mean what's the rest of the way like is it quote-unquote safe now or or what yeah once i got past that uh, crevasse field um beyond that when once you get up on the polar plateau it's it's the ice is still moving but it there's no not crevasses up there at least i don't think anybody's ever found any up there so so once you get up into the onto the plateau where the pole is then you're you're uh pretty safe as far as that's yeah. concerned how far are you going on the polar plateau i guess like we did we didn't even mention this how far is the whole entire trip well so from where i started to where i finished according to so i uploaded my data to uh a couple different things afterwards uh garmin and and strava and a few places and and uh it listed the trip as uh 775 um miles it should be less than 750 and so but I, i'm not i mean that's probably if you're going straight and, and i'm going you know yeah. they're going around the crevasses and different things and and different stuff and so so it ended up being i i always say 750 so it's about 750 miles okay um which isn't a lot of miles to do in 51 days, but <laughs> yeah, man. But when you're in deep snow going uphill with wind, I got to imagine yeah. that makes that yeah, the math adds my, up. <laughs> yeah. My average distance wasn't very, very far per day, but, but anyway, yeah. Um, so the plateau, I'm trying to think it's about a hundred ish. Okay. Uh-huh miles before you get to the to the um south pole so basically the whole time i'm I'm going up and down and up and down and and it's there's like one kind of major down area and then another pretty steep uphill and then once you get up onto that plateau it's just kind of just a steady you know it's still that 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 uh like i said look like in like uh puffy clouds so you're still going up and down and up and down but it but it's just kind of a steady climb and then and and that's that's the plateau. So yeah. So that's you know at about nine thousand to ninety three hundred feet somewhere in that. So now yeah. you're dealing with elevation too. But do you get there? And, elevate, and are you kind of like, I'm gonna make it now? Yeah. So the elevation was actually worse than than normal. Really. Because because the Earth is spinning like a top, right? Yeah. And and so what that does is that the you know if you if you spin soft you know it kind of flies to the outside right and so what's happening is the atmosphere is bulged around the center of the earth whoa i didn't even think about that 
Yeah, so the atmosphere is not as thick at the poles as it is at the at the equator. And oh, so man. so even though you're at 9300 feet, it's like you're another 2000 feet higher. <sighs> and and I that that's what they say is like being 2000 feet higher. To me it felt like it was even worse than that because I I um in Utah I lived at uh, 5000 feet elevation. Yeah. My, my house is like right on the 5000 foot contour line. And I go biking up in the mountains at, at that 8,000, 8,000, 9,000 uh, foot level all the time. And so I'm used to that kind of elevation. And and I've biked in Colorado. You're from Colorado, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I biked in, in at some of the ski resorts in Colorado where you're getting up in that 12, 12 13,000 feet uh, elevation. And and uh, 9,000 feet at Antarctica was definitely um, harder than than uh, the you know 13,000 feet in in Colorado. Wow, man! As far as as far as air, um, and so so you know I got to got to uh, work some breathing techniques to uh, to keep going and stuff, and 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 I I felt it, but I I didn't feel it until until I got you know up onto that plateau. Until I got onto the plateau at the elevation wasn't bothering me, which which is an advantage I had over some of the other people that uh, would have. We started having elevation issues lower because you know they're not used to that higher elevation. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Do so. I've always heard in these big kind of undertakings that there's this old saying: it's like the last ten percent takes ninety percent of the effort. Did you find that to be true? Um. Well, so the last, the last couple days, um, as you're getting close to the South Pole. So, so as you get, as I'm getting further and further south, these sastrugi that I was talking about, they start getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And what makes that possible is that the sun is icing things up and the wind and stuff, and so it's starting to carve them deeper and deeper, and make these big features. But as you get uh, close to the South Pole, it gets so cold. And the sun is at such a low angle that it doesn't ice up anymore. And so the sastrugi start getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and then they disappear. And when I got to where they were small and gone again, then it was hard to bike again because the snow is just too soft. And and, and it was so cold. So so the last day, um, I got a flat tire, my only flat tire the whole way. I Actually, that was the first and, question I wrote down was changing a flat in Antarctica? <laughs> Yeah, I had to. <laughs> so I changed that flat, and and when I got put the new the new uh, t- tube in, and and I pumped it up, and and I pump up an, enough air to start going. And I'd been running like super super low air pressure. In fact, I I kind of think the tube wasn't even pumped up to the full size of the tire. Oh man! And and so and so I um I'm running this low pressure, and when I start going again. If I put up, put in enough air to where the tire would go around, then, then I didn't have the traction I needed. But if I lowered the air pressure enough to where I had enough traction, then the, it was so cold that the tire, you know, it flattens out when you at the bottom when you're riding over it, and it flattened out, and it would stay in that flattened out position and wouldn't fit through the frame. <laughs> and so if I put enough air in to make it so the tire would turn, I couldn't get the traction I needed and and the float I needed. But if I lowered, and so so that last, the last day, I pretty much had to push the the bike the whole way until I got 
um, there's there's like a, a specific route you have to go in to the South Pole area because they've got all these scientific experiments and stuff going on. Okay. And so when I got there and, and there started to be, there was like some snowmobile tracks going in and out. And if I tried to ride in the snowmobile tracks, no way you could go because they'd churn up the snow and it was just super soft. Yeah. But if I, there were ski tracks that, you know, from skiers going in and out. And if I jumped over on the ski tracks and did those, there was just enough of a packed from those skis that then I could go ahead and, and bike in. So I was able to bike in the last little bit uh, that day, but pretty much from about the last. So, so I got the flat at about 13 miles from the South pole. And, uh, and so that last 13 miles, most of it was pushing. Yeah. Dang man. So did you know that day that you were going to finish or was there a possibility you're going to have to set up camp one more time? Yeah, so um, if you watch my YouTube videos, the, the, the teaser video that I have, uh, it uh, I, I run out of food. Oh, yeah, and, I and, did watch that. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, I run out of food, and in the video, the video has a, an important piece clipped out of it, which I put in, in the last last episode of the thing, so, so it's unclipped. But but uh, I say, you know, I'm I'm down, I'm, I'm completely out of food, and... And I say something to the effect that I, I either have one more day or I'm done. And and the way the video sounds like it, it sounds very, um, it sounds like, you know, I either have one more day or I'm going to die type thing is <laughs> what it sounds like to me when I hear it. Yeah. But, but that's not what I was saying. I was saying I, I either have another day or I'm going to finish today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, so it's kind of funny. Hey, man, that's what you got to do for those teaser trailers, though. Well, well, and so, so I mean, I, I didn't know that when I was building it, but yeah. you know, when I was recording it. But, but the other part that I put, the the part that's clipped out of that in in the teaser video is, is I've got, you know, I'm out of food, but uh, Hannah's gonna come down on a snowmobile from the South Pole and give me some more food, oh, and rocks. and then I'm gonna finish. That's awesome. And and so, so I, I, I that uh, until you get and and so I we may spoil, we just spoiled the spoiler the, alerted, the, yeah. Videos. <laughs> but but in but until until that very last uh episode of my telling the story i didn't include that part about yeah i'm getting this extra food <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man so but, you you eventually like can you see the there's there's a research station right on the south pole right yeah and so you can see it what happened what what it is is uh um, about 13 miles. So this is like right before I got the flat tire. Um, I, you come up cause it's up and down and up and down, get to the top of top of the next hill, we'll call it. And then get to the top of this hill and I'm looking at my elevation. I'm watching my elevation and it's the first time I get to 9,300, um, feet elevation. So now I'm at the same elevation as the pole. And as, and when I got there, I looked out and I could see on the horizon, just these three dots. <laughs> and 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 it's far enough away and everything and i'm looking at it and it's like oh i don't know um those could be just big sastrugi you know it could yeah. just be big snow forms out there and and so i'm looking at that but after a little while it's like no that's it <laughs> that's, that's it awesome. and so so i was i was so excited it was like the most awesome thing and i and i pulled out my cell phone and i called called my wife and i'm just just bawling and, and just i can see it I can see the south pole and she's like what what and the phone line drops <laughs> <laughs> and so so about 13 miles away and and at that point it's like okay it, I, I i i had made it you know i still had a 
uh, <laughs> a long, you know, pushing a bike for 13 miles yeah. in that those conditions takes about 13 hours. <laughs> yeah, and it's and so almost it's, long uh, it's almost go. like you but can't. I like yeah, you can't let your guard down yet, right? Even though you want to, because you're like so excited, but you're still in Antarctica where it's dangerous. Yeah, well, but at that point, I, I think I did. I did completely let my guard down. I, I was done. I knew I, I had made it, and and uh, um, you know, it, I was just going to keep going until I got there. And yeah. so, so yeah. it was. Uh, and the, the thing is, is then then uh, right after that, it drops back down, and there's it's all, like this big bowl in between that spot and where the South Pole station is. And so I drop back down the South Pole station disappears and, and you've got to go down this thing and, and through the middle of the valley and then back up. And, and as I'm doing that, um, it was kind of not quite white out. It was, it was overcast and stuff. So it was a little bit hard to see things, but as I'm doing that, I'm, I'm thinking, this is it. I'm, I'm here. I'll never be back here. Even if you could ever go back to that same spot, you'll never be back to the spot of saying, I'm like 13 miles away from being the first person to bike to the South Pole. I mean, this is an incredible thing. And, and just the, just the realization that here I am and, and I'll never have this again. This is a once in, once in, you know, a lifetime thing and, and to be able to be there. And, and so that last, that last uh, 13 miles or so I'd, I'd go for a little ways and then I'd stop and I'd look around and I really tried to take it in and yeah. enjoy that last day because I knew it was about over. And so, so as hard as it was, you know, 51 days and I was so ready to go home. I, I wanted to go home like nothing else, but that last little part, it's like that was all gone. And, and it was all just, um, I know I'm, I'm, I'm about done. It's, it's going to be over pretty soon. And it's kind of, sad that it's over and and just trying to enjoy that uh, final the final bit because because there was no no way i would ever be in that same situation again you can't you can't go back you can't turn back time this is i just had to enjoy what i had because that was it wow that's so surreal i'm and i'm sure it's like impossible to even describe your emotions yeah it, it's it's so it, it was so amazing so wonderful it, yeah it, it's it, that the joy and happiness of seeing stupid three little dots on the horizon <laughs> is that uh, is beyond on the joy that uh, i think i don't think very many people will ever get that <laughs> sensation of joy in their lifetime is what i had at that point because it was just so overwhelming in fact for the first while before i dropped into that bowl and the, and the south pole you could still see it on the on the right and, and and i couldn't i had to i had to turn my head to the left and and not look as i was going because i if i looked over and i saw it i just burst out in tears because it was so so awesome you know and, and so i couldn't even look at it because wow. <laughs> it was it was too too amazing too i mean i had done it you know and yeah, and yeah i do get to see a sunrise <laughs> yeah so what's the your what's the last like hundred yards like as you're biking in are there people waiting to greet you or is it literally just you yeah, and this a, big, a hole in big the ground crowd and they're all waving banners and, and the bells and woo, 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 woo. Yeah. go, go, go. So you finish the cross the finish line. Nope. <laughs> so they, they run a, they run a, um, a camp there at the South pole 
for expeditions arriving. And and they run that camp up until January 20th. Okay. Guess when I got there? The 21st? I got there on the 21st. <laughs> so <laughs> So when I got there there's this big big sign that says the world's southernmost resort. And there's that big sign there's the the research station and everything that's a government facility that you know you can't go in without uh, being a guided tour and so there's that thing over there but it's when i got there it was like because in in antarctica time what time of day it is 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 really up to you because the sun's up and so you can pick whatever time zone you want in fact at the south pole all the time zones converge right there you go so, so you can pick whatever zone you want and the south pole station they they um, so get their supplies in and out of uh, through New Zealand, and so they go off of New Zealand time. And and uh, my expedition, I'm I'm the and ALE, they're they're in and out of uh, Chile, so I'm working on Chilean time. And so for me, it's you know, I think uh, I don't remember what time of day it was for me, but but for them, it was like the middle of their night. It's like two o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, something. Yeah. And so they're all all asleep and nothing. So so the people in there didn't didn't you know weren't even anything and and the ALE camp was gone all that was left of them was these depressions in the snow where their tents used to be and so so you know you, you normally if you get there on time if you're not a slowpoke like me you, you get there and and it's like awesome you put that everything away and jump into the warm tent and have a nice cup of hot chocolate and some some candy bars and you know sit back and relax and yeah but no, there was none of that. Wow. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I, I, I dropped off my sleds and stuff and, and rode over and they've got uh, they've got this kind of barber polish looking thing with a round mirror on top that is what they call the ceremonial South Pole. And so it's there and it's got a bunch of flags around it and everything. And it's not actually not the real South Pole. It's just, you know, for good place for take, taking pictures. Yeah, yeah. And then a little ways, so I go and look at that, and then a little ways further, I go, and there's a, um, a pole in the ground with a little emblem on top, and that is the South Pole. Wow. And it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, so the amazing thing about that is, is these stupid little three dots on the horizon was the most awesome thing ever, and this pole in the ground that marks where the South Pole is like, yeah okay <laughs> that's amazing but i love it bam because it's it's the intrinsic motivation that really matters and it's the internal journey that you went through yeah, yeah. that matters way more than this reward of a pole in the ground yeah yeah but i mean it's still cool because then i take my gps and i put hold it up over it and it says um 89.99 something or other cool. and you try to find where you try to get it to say exactly 90 and i couldn't get it to say exactly 90 you didn't find the exact spot but but you know it, it was the pole was right at the exact That's spot so cool. which is an interesting thing because the the ice there is moving okay so the ice moves about uh i think about 30 feet a year and so every every year in january they uh, figure out where the exact right spot is, and they take and they move it to that spot. And so, so you know, when I got there, they moved the pole. You know, it would, had been moved 21 days ago, so it was, <laughs> so it was exactly where the pole was 21 days before it may have been <laughs> off by by a few inches by yeah. by that time. Yeah. But <laughs> wow, man, but yeah. that's amazing. Like honestly, like 
I, I'm sure you've heard congrats from so many people over the last five years, but, but I gotta say it too. I mean, congrats. That's, that's yeah, just it, an incredible I, you know, story. Yeah. And it's just amazing that I was able, was given the opportunity to do it, you know, and it wasn't, it's not that I'm something special or that, you know, I'm, I'm greater or whatever, anything. It was just that, that it's like, here's this awesome opportunity. And, and, and I, you know, I told my wife, it's like, this is just being set in my lap and, and how can I not do this? It's just been given to me in, in, in my lap. And she's just like, well, no, you worked really hard. That's what that. I'm, that's <laughs> what I was just thinking. Like, I feel like you made the opportunity, you know, like this was yeah. something that was there and you were there at the right time, obviously, but, but you pursued it. You're the one that went after it. Yeah, I did. I did pursue it and go after it. But, but to me, it really felt like, it was given to me. This opportunity was given to me and, and not saying I didn't have to work hard and, and it was harder than you can possibly imagine. Yeah. But it was still this opportunity that was just kind of, I was, it was this awesome blessing gift, whatever that I was given yeah. that, that, uh, it was just, just an, a cool thing that, that I, I'm just lucky to have gotten. Yeah. Well, so how are you using the experience now? Like what's the message you're, you're sending out to the world um, because you were able to accomplish this. Well, so the whole reason I opened the bike store was because I had gotten um, overweight and my, my cholesterol was high and my blood pressure was high. And so um, I got into biking to save my life. And, and uh, I really think biking has saved my life. In fact, the year before, one year before I left on my expedition, my mom died of a heart attack and and so you know and and so you know i to me the the health benefits of getting out and having an active life are are a big thing and so that's why i opened up the bike shop and and so i think you know there's that and then the other is that that really you can do you know you can do amazing things a lot of times we limit ourselves just because we say well i can't do that you know, I'm just an ordinary guy. Yeah. And, and, and I'm just an ordinary guy. I'm the guy that was, you know, when you have your schoolyard picked to see who's on what team, I'm that guy that was the last guy picked. I'm always the guy that's picked last. I'm just an ordinary guy. And if I can do this, you can do, I mean, you can do amazing things too. And, and really to me, it's proven to me that 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 saying that you can do anything you, i mean i did that's not what i set out to do is to prove that you can do anything you set your mind to but that's what it proved to me is that yeah you you really you know that that saying is more true than you than you think that you really can do whatever you want to do and and a lot of times the reason we don't do it is just because we choose not to do it yeah wow man that's amazing and that's what actually when i first started when i heard about your story um just based off of some like internet research, that's what really spoke to me. And that's the reason why I reached out because I'm like, I want people to understand that. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause it brings so much to your life. I don't want, like, I don't want my life, but I also don't want other people's lives to seem like they're just kind of like zombie mode, you know, zombie, zombieing their way through, you know, I want them to like, live with passion and live with intention. And I think, I think proving that to yourself that you can do it, you can do whatever you set your mind to is a, 
a really good way to just find that adventure in your life. Yeah, and so I guess you got to be careful with how you present this because I don't want to say, you know, just be irresponsible and, and, <laughs> yeah. and don't do what you, you want. But one, one day, um, you know, shortly after I had uh, decided I was going to do this, I had biked to the top of the hill climb that everybody does in, in our area. So I get to the top of this to the to the top of the mountain and i'm i'm sitting there resting and and some other people come up and we're talking and i tell them that i'm gonna and do this expedition to the south pole and and the guy asks well you know how how do you get the time off from work to do that and and you know how do you pay for to pay for something like that and the and the thing was is I had a bike store. I couldn't really take the time off for it, but I did. But, but um, and I and I didn't have the money to do it. But I figured out a way to do it. Yeah. And and so the thing is, is you know, we say, well, I can't do something like that because I can't take the time off from work. And and without saying, let's be um, irresponsible because there are responsibilities and things you have. But if something, if you want to do something like that, and and. And so, like, I'm going to be gone from work, you know, say I had a normal job and I was going to be gone from work for, you know, two and a half months to do this. And if I'm a good employee, I'm, I'm a good worker and, and a valuable employee, I can say, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to take the two and a half months and I'm going to go do this. And they will they will either give me my job back when I get back or I'm a good enough employee and, and I'm good enough at what I'm doing that when I get back, I can find a new job. Yeah. And and sometimes we say, well, I can't do this because I'd lose my job. Sometimes we, sometimes with that, and, and again, I'm saying don't be irresponsible, completely irresponsible. But but you can do these things if you just decide to do it and say, you know, um, what does it take to do it? And and yeah. a lot of times it's our fear or whatever that really is keeping us from doing it. Not because you know. As a, as a computer programmer that I was before, if I'd said, you know, I'm going to go do this and, and you can give me my job back when I get back or or I can find another job because I'm competent and, and there's plenty of people. And maybe not everybody has it easy that finding a job, but but still, you can still find ways to do it if you want to. And, and so this idea of, well, I can't do it because, you know, my current situation. Yeah and allow me it's like no you can't do it because you put whatever your current situation is you put that priority higher than what this adventure is and sometimes maybe that's the right answer maybe the right answer isn't you know go off and leave my family and and my job and everything and go do this and and stuff because the family and whatever is more important but there's also times at which, you know, it's like, yes, I can, I can, my family can survive for two and a half months while I go and do this. Yeah. So, so, so we, you know, there's got to be a balance. Yeah. I and, totally and, understand. And sometimes I think, we put that balance too high into work. Yeah. Oh, totally. Well, and there's always going to be a list of all these reasons why you can't do something. But most of the time, that list, like, like you said, you're going to be able to you know, you are going to be able to, to do it if you make it a big enough priority in your life, I guess. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's, uh, you know, one of those things, it's like, if you, uh, if you put the effort in and, and you really try to do it, you can do anything you want to. And so, yeah, you may have to make some sacrifices here, but you, you know, if you do it, you can still, you can still make those sacrifices and, and be able to do the things you want to do. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because I think, 
and I'm definitely like, I don't own my own company or anything like that. But if, if I had an employee where, who wanted to go off and chase their passions for a few months, like, I think that's going to, I would be like, go do it because that's going to make you a better employee. And it's, it's going to make you have more self-esteem and it's going to, you know, you know what I mean? I'm just like, I, of course I would support that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think so. I think, uh, I think a lot of times people could get the time off when, yeah. I mean, they would have, you wouldn't have paid me for that time, I'm sure, but <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> but, but you could have uh, most. So, so I think things are more obtainable than, than, uh, than we often give them credit. I think we can do these things if we're just willing to do them. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, where I I've been watching your your YouTube channel. Um, I'm not quite through all the episodes yet, but oh, I kind of like for you. Well, yeah, you did, man. Oh <laughs> no, I'm excited even more now because now I get to like see the pictures and the videos that go along with the experience. You know, go along with this story and this. You know, the podcast that we just recorded. You know, um, but can you kind of give people a heads up? Like, where can they follow your story? Um, I'm really enjoying them. It's on youtube and and uh so yeah where can they follow you yeah so the youtube is uh youtube.com slash users slash epic biking that should be pretty easy to remember it's pretty epic biking trip epic biking yeah i i typed <laughs> that, in south pole epic is that something yeah. people can do yeah south pole epic is what i called my expedition so i think if you uh, search south pole epic you should be able to find yeah, you should be able to find all my stuff. I've got a blog that's epicsouthpole.blogspot.com. Okay. There's south that my uh, um, YouTube channel is Epic Biking. I think the actual channel name is Epic Biking Adventures because I think I created the channel a few times and I um, consumed the Epic Biking <laughs> name <laughs> before I got the right channel right. But yeah. Anyway, so I think it's Epic Biking Adventures or something like that. But if you search if you search South Pole Epic, uh, um, my uh, videos will come up. And they're uh, awesome, man. Like I've really enjoyed them, and they they range everywhere from like nine minutes to like a half an hour. And there are all sorts of various episodes. Like, how many episodes are you expecting this I, story to so take? It took. So what I did is I made one episode per week and and tried to include the events that happened in that week, um, and so it ended up being eleven episodes, and so I, I finished the last one that's eleven. I might make another one talking about other stuff afterwards, but yeah. I'm kind of thinking I'm done with them. But um, yeah, so the last one I I went because uh, it, it should have been twelve going. Uh, but for the last few days, but I just combined the last one with the final finish because the problem was, is I was getting close to the South pole. It just became everything. I mean, the whole thing, I, I had a hard time getting the film and, and, yeah. uh, and the videos, the pictures and that I needed to, because so much of the time was just trying to get there. And so that last few days, I <laughs> last, uh, the last couple of days until I got to the pole, there wasn't a lot of material to <laughs> put into it. Well, so, and at the same time, you're probably wanting to experience it, you know, and getting out the camera kind of takes you out of the experience. Yeah, well, my, my original intentions were that every day I would get uh, a little bit of video of me uh, biking and whatever. And and the reality was uh, after I reached uh, 
uh, where I needed to set up my tent. I get the tent set up, and and I'm usually drenched in sweat, yeah. and which, which is very dangerous. Yeah, yeah, that's very dangerous. And so so I I had a I, I was dressed not very warmly while I was biking because I was. Pre- producing so much heat from the biking and so the first thing i do is i put on this big canadian goose parka and put that on to keep me warm get my tent set up and get in the tent and get that put together and at that point i'm i I can't go back outside and do anything because i'm i'm too wet yeah and and i would freeze to death to go back out there and so so i couldn't you know i couldn't the what film i did get was well i'm doing pretty good today i'm I'm ahead of schedule so i can stop and set the camera up there and, and bike past it uh, you know and and the number of times i was ahead of schedule wasn't very many <laughs> yeah. so, so so it turned out to be a lot harder to get the pictures and videos than what i had hoped yeah man but i i like i really like the episodes because you add in the narration and you're reading from your journal and you know you're you're kind you're getting into you're putting me into the experience as someone who's never been to antarctica yeah, thanks. It's it's hard to know because I put the videos together and and it's like, did I do a good job or not? And 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 I and I get done and and I'm sometimes uh, have a hard time watching them myself because that self consciousness of oh of, yeah. did I do a good enough job? Oh man, that's why I can't listen to myself on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 hard to it's hard to go back and and watch my own i mean i can watch it once or twice to try to to edit it and get it where i want it but once it's done it's like i have a hard time rewatching them just because yeah i don't know it, it's kind of weird um um at at church uh, my wife was doing this uh um they have this book club and so so they decided to do my book for book club That's this awesome. is just like just a couple weeks ago and uh, and so I go to church and all all uh, all the people that are doing it, it's like oh I, I I you know and they're talking to me about my book and it's like oh man this is so hard to <laughs> it's like it's like you know how how you have your journal and you don't want anybody reading your your journal or whatever <laughs> you know it's your private thing and and you, and I write it in a book and put it out and and it's like it's a weird thing because <laughs> you put it out there so people can read it and see it and everything yeah. but but it, on the same point you're kind of embarrassed to have people reading it <laughs> no i hear you man so the book if people do want to check it out though and embarrass yeah, and embarrass F-R-F dan uh, <laughs> it's called what now south pole epic yep okay I, you can kind of see the a theme here going with the epic that, that's what i named my bike shop was epic biking <laughs> hey man i as a i've said this on the show before too like at times I feel like epic is an overused term, but if it's, you know, if it's going to describe anything, it's a, it's going to describe what you were able to accomplish. So, yeah, it's kind of weird because I picked epic. I'm old enough to not realize that that was like, you know, epic fail was like the catchphrase of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and so I picked epic um, just because, a lot of times that some of those big rides they do they call it you know an epic whatever and i just i liked that kind of biking that that epic biking and so to me it kind of made sense i didn't realize what a um (laughs) overused word it was but for yours it could say like epic success you know over the video yeah yeah. (laughs) yeah 
Well, that's yeah, awesome, my, man. Epic fail was was uh, the issues I had with my 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 rear wheel. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but all right, man. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on. I honestly, I'm super honored to even be able to sit down and and listen to your sh- and to your story. So thank you, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was and real honor for me to be able to talk about it, and I just enjoy talking about it. So awesome. Well, good luck with everything in the future. Yeah. Thanks. All right. See ya. All right. Thank you, Dan, so much. Uh, I really would highly, highly, highly suggest checking out his videos um, on YouTube. They are really good. It's, I mean, he's really good at capturing what this experience must be like. So if you type in South Pole Epic on YouTube, like I said, he has all sorts of videos, everything from like five minutes to 30 minutes. There are all sorts of different episodes. Um, <laughs> this is almost embarrassing to even like admit, but I've been writing me and my wife bought a Peloton. Um, cause we're, we're anticipating a lot of at home workouts that are going to be necessary, uh, as our family grows. And so I'm sitting on the Peloton exercise bike and I'll turn Dan's videos on and I'll just try to like, you know, crank it to like 60% resistance and then start going and in his videos he's describing going through the snow as like pedaling as hard as you possibly can and barely going anywhere uh and so i've tried to like turn the peloton up to 100 like maybe this is what it feels like and then i just laugh at myself i'm like there's no way this is representing this experience like in any sort of way (laughs) but i i you know would like to pretend right (laughs) uh but it'll give you a good workout man because you're seeing this dude go through all this stuff and you're like man surely if he can go through that i can get through my like hour bike ride here right uh which is kind of like the cool part about talking to these incredible athletes these people with these these amazing adventures is you can you can kind of put what you're going through into perspective a bit and not to say that whatever you or i are going through is is something to like you know to like frown upon right like if i'm going through an out like let me give you an example it's been snowing a whole bunch out here in colorado and the other day i left school and i'm like i'm gonna go for like a like a nine mile run and it was like 45 degrees so it should it should be no big deal right like i've done this many times before and it's you know it is what it is like what i do at this point so I go out there and I quickly realize like no one has ran on this trail in like the whole entire week or at the, maybe they have, but snow has been blowing over. So it's making these really deep tracks. So you have no footing at all, but I'm stubborn. Like I'm a stubborn man. And I think that's a, such a good trait when it comes to endurance. And I think that's something people should think about a little bit more is just like, how do you increase stubbornness? Um, and so I'm going and it's hard. It's difficult. I'm falling and slipping and my legs are already sore, like a mile in and, and I still, I persevere, right? Like I'm like, I'm getting these nine miles in or whatever it was. And I'm, I'm going so slow though. (laughs) Like it's, it's almost embarrassing when I looked at how much time it took me to do, but I'm going through it. And I turn this corner and now all of a sudden I'm in a headwind and it's a pretty hard headwind. It's probably like 
20 miles an hour maybe like it's enough that it's difficult like really difficult and i'm barely going anywhere and i'm just thinking to myself because this is after i talked to dan and i'm just like dude like i was just trying to picture and imagine being in a place where there's not even plants like there's nothing because you know at least where i was i could see some plants i was you know you could see cars in the distance and houses and stuff but like to be going through what was probably 50 times harder than what i was going through and to not even i don't know for whatever reason i was like to not even see plants like that's crazy and to not even see footprints like you're the only person that's walked that way maybe in like years you know or maybe ever so to not even see footprints and not even to see a plant for 51 days and to be facing a headwind and deep snow and just self-doubt and isolation and boredom and all that stuff is just like insanely fascinating so although at the beginning of the podcast i was talking about an ordinary person dan is obviously anything but an ordinary person but it is at the same time it's interesting because like you know i could see a lot of people kind of falling in love with a sport and then really taking it to the extreme i mean we've had people on the podcast who are like that all the time um you know that's like their origin story kind of deal so in that way i feel like dan is almost the everyman where he's just a guy who really liked doing something and decided to see where it took him. Um, but in on the other hand, in the way of like a guy who's willing to go through that, like all you would have to do is like take the sat phone, call the place and be like, you got to come pick me up, you know? And like after a day of only getting like eight miles, right? Or like five miles and, and just realizing like how insanely hard this is. All it would take is one phone call to get you out. And the thing that impresses me the most about endurance athletes is the whole not picking the phone up part, the whole resistance, the whole stubbornness. So uh, that's what I really took away from Dan's story. Um, and it helped put my run into perspective because like, an hour and like 40 minutes later <laughs> for nine or 10 miles, I was back at my car and I felt good that I did it because it worked that mental muscle of stubbornness almost just as much as it worked any physical muscles at that point. So, all right, guys, um, I hope you guys enjoy the week. Uh, we have a really big episode coming up next week. Um, she was the ultra runner of the year. She's an incredible athlete. She's done some insane races and we get into some of that and we try to get into her mindset a bit of self doubt. Like how do you overcome self doubt, those moments of self doubt and how do you just keep persevering? So it's almost like another exploration of this stubbornness, right? But anyway, so next week we're talking to Courtney DeWalter. I hope you guys tune in. Um, I'm really excited to share the episode. I just got done recording it with Courtney and she is just so awesome. There's no other word. I know I use awesome too much. My wife tells me all the time, but that's the word to describe her. <laughs> all right. Talk to you next week. See you.